Podcasts are an independent way for podcasters like me to bring a local voice to your ears. At the Spent the Rent Podcast, we strive to raise awareness of topics that affect the often underrepresented. Our title sponsor, Oregon Cashflow Pro, offers free money management advice that can help you take control of your finances. At OregonCashflowPro.com, you will find videos to guide you towards your goal of financial freedom. For more info, there will be a link in the show notes. The following podcast is available on all major streaming sites, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can now listen to all previous episodes, donate to the podcast, and buy shirts directly from the Spent the Rent podcast at our newly designed official website, strpod.com. Welcome to the Spent the Rent Podcast. I am your host, Patty Rose. My guest today is the newly appointed interim city councilor, Damian Pitts. Damian, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. So a little backstory about how uh, we got here. Uh, If anybody is unfamiliar, I'm not sure how. Uh, Christine Lundberg uh, resigned back in the summer, which uh, created a vacant seat for the mayor. And then uh, city councilor at the time, Sean Van Gordon, decided he was going to step up and, and was appointed mayor by the city council, which then made his vacant seat in Ward 1 available. And, uh, a, you know, there was a few candidates that, that applied. You were one of them and you were unanimously decided uh, to be chosen as the as the uh, council member. So here we are. And I'm really honored to have you on the show because uh, you will be uh officially sworn in on monday and uh which is my birthday by the way oh happy early birthday <laughs> so thank you so thank you for doing this and uh it's really an honor to meet you and i, I look forward to learning more and more about you so this is a great thank opportunity you. thank you so now let's just get right into it uh what made you decide that you wanted to apply for the position you know honestly uh i saw it and i just like oh that's cool you know <laughs> but you know, I think there's great power when people believe in you. They see something in you that you don't even really think about. And a few people reached out like, hey, did you see this? I really think you should apply. And I was like, no, I'm good. Uh, you know, and, and then you know, they gave me a list of reasons why I should. And I was like, you know, this is this is great that you think this way of me. But like, I'm not a politician. Uh, and, you know, I don't want to be a token either. but I reached out to some of, you know, my elders uh, or people that I've adopted as my elders here. And, uh, you know, just the sheer excitement for me even thinking about it just, you know, made me really want to do it. And, and in essence, I, I guess I, I kind of got their permission, but not really. Uh, and yeah, and so here we are, you know, I, I applied uh, and I waited. And when I saw the other candidates, I was like, oh, wow, you know, it's some, it's some heavy hitters here. And so, you know, when, you know, I told myself like, hey, regardless of what happens, I'm not going to disappear. I mean, I'm pretty big personality, super extroverted, you know, but uh, there are things that can be done and, um, you know, like I said, regardless of what happens, or what would have happened, I uh, I was definitely planning to figure out a way to build more bridges and, you know, connect the dots and, you know, just be present. Sure. We had talked a little bit before we hit record about civic participation. Mm-hmm. And I think that one of the things with COVID that I've seen is that there's been a lot more people with this virtual setting that mm-hmm. have gotten so much more involved. And then, you know, Facebook's always been there, but I, and I've also noticed for myself because of the podcast and I've been covering local Springfield politics and right. whatnot, I've, I've really uh, grown my bubble, you know, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, as long as they say six feet for me, that's the law. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, so it's been really interesting to see the growth in civic participation mm-hmm. and uh, a little bit later in the show, we'll get back on that. I want to talk about ways that maybe you think that we could uh, even reach out more people. So we'll we'll get back to that a little bit later. Uh, 
what does it mean to you to be chosen by your council by by the peers you know um it's it's definitely a, a humbling experience you know you know I, I talked to people and there was somebody who told me like you know i i think you have a good chance to get this unanimously i was like there's no way uh but you know it, it, it was crazy and, and so when that happened you know, a lot of people called me and you know i was just speechless and for people who know me like i'm always talking like i'm rarely ever speechless and so they were like wow you really affected by this uh i mean it was amazing you know but after it all sank in like i don't think i slept that night really much just because first of all it's like wow this is this is very humbling but then two it's like oh crap what did i get myself into sure <laughs> and, sure and so there were a lot of you know emotions and and the one thing that I couldn't do when I found out was, you know, call or, or text any of my family or friends on the East Coast because they were asleep. Sure. Uh, I'm, not, I'm sure they would have responded, but, you know, no. <laughs> so, so you know, I had to wait until morning to, to tell my parents and, you know, tell some of my friends on the East Coast who had been, you know, supporting me and all that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was... I, I, it was definitely a high that that I haven't experienced in a while, but you know, reality sinks in. It's like you know, what next? Sure. Uh, you know, I, I think this week is you know, I've been drinking from multiple fire hoses and just trying to figure out what's the next step. What do I need to learn? What do I already know? What am I going to have to grasp? You know, what boards? You know, I think probably 50 people have added me on Facebook. And yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, I've been posting on Facebook in like four years and I'm just not a social media person. I think that has a lot to do with me being ex-military. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's great. Uh, but, you know, there's always that fear of letting people down uh, or there's this fear of, you know, even safety. I mean, uh, you know, I know it's a city council position, but, you know, I'm sure some people are pretty upset that somebody who looks like me is in the, or somebody that they didn't support. And, and so what does that mean? You know, addresses or public information. Is somebody going to come for me? I don't think so. But I mean, you see how the world is now. Nothing surprises me. No, absolutely. And that is a good thing to to actually be aware of, because I, I mean, I Again, I don't, I don't agree. I agree with you that I don't think anything, I hope nothing would come of that, but it's something that, that is there, you know, uh, just any position people are, people don't understand what a city council member, they think that they don't understand it's an unpaid position, you know, you know, they don't understand that you're volunteering and that you're, 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 you know, service to your community. But I think on a board, there's a, you, you're going to be working with some really incredible people, you know? And so I think that they're going to, you know, take you under their wing. I hope so. So uh, you talked about the East Coast and your family back home and you had mentioned your parents. Uh, what mm -hmm. was their reaction like? And tell me a little bit about what kind of people they are. So, uh, you know, my mom grew up in Memphis, Tennessee. That's where she still lives. My dad grew up in Columbus, Georgia. You know, um, both my parents went, went to college. Uh, both of them spent time away from the city that they currently live in. They just happened to end up moving back. And so, you know, they, they kind of have a somewhat of a, of a, a worldview that I think really, you know, benefited me. You know, both my parents love music. They love food. Uh, you know, my mom, she's not a singer, but she sings, uh, you know, and uh, she, she's probably one of the best cooks. Uh, she, she, she should have been a chef. You know, she's a retired social worker. Uh, my dad, and, and also both of my parents were teachers. You know, my dad, he's, uh, was actually, you know, he, he went to Alabama State, which is in Montgomery. And so in the 60s, which, you know, if you know anything about Montgomery Selma, he was right there. You know, I think there's an interview somewhere online in it, uh, where he was at the March on Selma. So, you know, uh, I think civic engagement is is in my blood uh you, you know I, I see i think i look more like my mother 
and I'm built more like her. And I, we even kind of sounded like to a certain extent, but you know, I, I see a lot of my dad in me too. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it, it's great. You know, my parents divorced when I was young, but you know, I was able to see my dad quite a bit Christmas and summers, no matter where he lived. Uh, and, and I think it was, you know, good experience. Uh, you know, I never felt left out because my parents weren't married. I thought it was cool. And it's like, man, my mom gets to get a break from me and my brother of <laughs> Christmas and summers. Like, you know, I, I realized at an early age that, you know, parents need to break away from kids too. And so I thought it was great. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I think they really, you know, instilled in me, you know, staying true to yourself and, you know, taking opportunities that you might not think that you should, you know, that's one of the main reasons I even went in the army versus going to college first. Cause my mom was like, you know, Hey, you know, just be respectful and listen. And I did. And, ten, you know, 10 years later, I'm getting out then going to college. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it was, I think I had a great upbringing, you know, the, the history in Memphis is just in a lot of ways, extremely fabulous. And every time I say the word Memphis, I mean, I'm proud, but, now, Memphis has these issues, just like any other cities. I just think that Memphis is highlighted quite a bit. You know, back in the day, people would hear Memphis like, oh, first 48. It's like, man, if you, you know, but, you know, then you, you kind of, you know, see some of the things that are going on. And uh, and I just think that, you know, the stereotypes and or seeing Memphis on first 48 just kind of elevates, you know, the, the, this this thought that Memphis isn't the greatest city. But, I mean, I love it. And, Every time I go home, I just feel whole, you know, and like my dad lives in Columbus, Georgia, which is where a massive military base is. Uh, my dad, Fort Benning, my dad wasn't military, but, you know, you see that influence and stuff and, you know, all his family's there and, and it has a pretty unique history too. And so, you know, the, the, that old history, which is not always positive, uh, but that old history, you know, from indigenous to slavery to music, you know, it exists in that region. And, and I think a lot of that played a massive part in who I am today. Yeah. So now this whole process has been kind of a whirlwind, has happened fast. When was it exactly that you had applied for the position? It was the beginning, end of last month, right? Right. I, I think I might have submitted my application January 25th or 6th. I know it was due February 1st, but, you know, I called to make sure that I could email or fact, you know, and so I just emailed it to the person and uh, yeah, I mean, I got it done one day after class and, you know, sat at work a little bit longer and, and, and then the next morning, you know, after I talked to some people and I, you know, contemplated on it, I sent it off that morning. Yeah. That's why it just, that's why this feels a little different because, you know, I've interviewed candidates that were running for city council. Mm -hmm. And so uh, with uh Corey Rodley and Johannes Tadeo. I interviewed both of them as they were running. And mm -hmm. so, and, and Chris McAllister as well. And uh, three super important people in, in Springfield politics, you know? And so uh, that's why this one feels a little different because this is so quick, such a quick, right. you know? And so that's why I wanted to ask about your parents because I'm sure that their, their reaction when you call them, it's like, they're like, what? So wait a minute. So like two weeks ago, you thought about this or three weeks mm -hmm. ago, and now you're sitting on the city council in a town that you're fairly new to you know, four years or so. Uh, that's a pretty exciting thing. Now, in you've only you've lived in Springfield now. Is that correct? Four years. Yes. Uh, what is it that you found in the time that you've been here that you really love about it? Um. Honestly, I I, I like the kind of working class feel. You know, I mean, granted, you know, you have people from various demographics uh, and classes that live here, but no one really tries to put on airs to impress anybody. You know, I think that, I mean, this sounds so simple, but customer service and like in restaurants is, to me, it's phenomenal. It's like people either faking it or they really do love what they're doing. And, and it, it just makes you feel whole. I mean, to be honest, you know, there's some places where, uh, people really don't care, or maybe based on what you look like, people aren't going to be that nice to you. And I, and I, I can't say that I've really experienced that in any, in too many places in Springfield. I mean, you know, uh, and, and honestly, this is really silly, but 
I like that they're see that they season their food here at restaurants, you know, from the south and maybe we season stuff a little too much, but you know, when I go out to eat in Springfield for the most part, I know I'm paying for, you know, quality food that's made with love that I'm not going to have to add too much seasoning to, which I don't like to do. Uh, and, and just that makes a, a huge difference. I think another thing I like about it is it's, you know, I work on campus and I love students, but I don't necessarily always want to see them when I'm off. And most students don't go to Springfield. But honestly, the reason that they don't go is, is super problematic. You know, I hear Springfield's a hood. It's like, no, it's not. You know, you want to talk about hoods, we can go to some hoods, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, but, but you know, I feel, I feel glad to, when I talk to people, be like, oh, you got to go here. You got to go here. Oh, they don't have it there. Guess what this store does? And, and I like that everything I need is within maybe five or 10 minutes of me. You know, I live right in between Safeway and Fred Meyer. I can walk to get coffee. Uh, I mean, I guess I could walk to the mall. I haven't. <laughs> uh, right. and, and it's just that, 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 that you know, that, that great feeling of things being close and having everything you need. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I just it's like it's regular true. people. I've lived in in Springfield since I was eleven years old. I mm -hmm. went to Springfield High School. I ended up graduating from South, just like you. I work on campus. I'm a barber. You work at the university, right? But, but you know, uh, you're so spot on when it comes to the type of culture of Springfield. That there's this. It's very genuine what you're talking about about the type of person in Springfield that worked customer service that they are. They wear their heart on their sleeve and it's the customer service is genuine. I think it's not a front. I think that that's one thing about Springfield. There's one thing about Springfield high school when I was growing up here is that if anyone did have wealth, which there wasn't a lot of people that were very wealthy, <laughs> but anybody that did, they hit it. You know, yeah. it wasn't like something that you want to brag about. And that's kind of where Oregon, that's an Oregon thing. We're kind of different from like, maybe say California, you know, mm. like we kind of try to hide, hide that comfort or whatnot. So that's really interesting to hear. I wouldn't say outsider perspective, but new to the community, you know, and so you're part mm -hmm. of us now. So, mm -hmm. so uh, that's cool. Now, tell me what brought you to Oregon, you know? What um, okay. So I, I was living in Utah. I worked as a career coach at the University of Utah and I also taught part-time at Salt Lake Community College. Um, and I was looking to you know, it was time for me to go, just being honest. Uh, I had initially applied to a position at Portland State, and I was a finalist. Uh, and I, I didn't get it. This was probably summer 2016. But, you know, I kept on looking just at Oregon in general. Uh, I applied to a position at Oregon State. I got an interview, but I didn't get it. But one of my fraternity brothers did. And so I'm, and I'm super, super glad. Uh, but then I saw this position. And I was like, you know, it, it was going to allow me to teach. It was going to allow me to do some advising. And it was going to allow me to potentially, you know, implement some different initiatives around, you know, diversity related stuff. Uh, and so I was like, why not? You know, pay was decent. Uh, I looked up, you know, Eugene and just the area. Uh, I had a, a old army buddy of mine who went to University of Oregon I mean, years and years ago. And so I reached out to her and yeah, I applied, I, I interviewed. And, and you know, what, what's interesting is that I had gotten an offer from another school while I was waiting for my second interview here, but I turned it down because uh, I just knew that, you know, this was going to be it. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've enjoyed working at flagship institutions. However, uh, I really like community colleges too, just the, the type of student uh i love building connections with you know community college and stuff too so i don't want to sound elitist saying that i like working at flagship institutions um but yeah that's how i ended up here uh you know i i accepted in like november you know started packing right right away and you know packed everything up in the pod and you know packed my car and and and, and drove here you know, now how I ended up in Springfield was interesting. I 
was looking at apartments, you know, and, you know, doing all kinds of distancing from campus and all this stuff. And <laughs> I was on a dating website and I changed my city from Salt Lake City to Eugene, Oregon. And I was talking to a young lady and I mean, we, have, we never really, ended, we never ended up meeting or I mean, we weren't compatible for whatever reason. But she told me about the apartments that I live in now. And so I checked them out. I made some phone calls and I was like, wow, OK, perfect. You know, brand new. I'm the first person to ever live in them. Uh, and so that's actually how I ended up in Springfield on a dating website, you know, talking to somebody about, you know, a little bit about the area. And she happened to mention this and sent me the link. And, I, and, and now here I am. Yeah. Thank goodness. Yeah. I landed in Springfield. Huh? Oh, that's funny. So now you you mentioned a little bit about the the University of Oregon student perception of Springfield. So let's talk about yeah. that a little bit. Now you have been here for four years. Right. You've obviously been made aware of the history of we'll just talk about some of the some of the stereotypes. Some mm -hmm. like Matthews, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. But the thing is, is that people in the position that you're taking over now and the mayor, they've you are the people that are going to be working to continue the changes in that. You right. know, you've made some, some just tremendous progress in the last 15 years in this community. And, uh, you know, obviously you were talking about uh, customer service. And one of the things that, that Springfield has changed is, is they kind of back in the day, they had some of these kind of CD bars that were right downtown Main Street. Mm -hmm. They kind of pushed those out, brought in, Elk, you know, breweries, a barbershop, they brought in some, some community hubs and, and, you know, I know that city council had a lot to do with that. It's a kind of a pro business mentality in Springfield. Right. And so what are some of the things that you'd like to implement to kind of continue that progress? Um, so, you know, the ward that I'll be over pretty much starts on Q street. And so th there's some buildings right on Q street, as well as in the, the pioneer plaza that, you know, have, been vacant for some time and you know it'd be great to get some smaller businesses in there and you know get community members to support it um one thing I, one thing i i appreciate about oregon as a whole especially in counties that people really support local businesses and so yeah you can bring in change certain places i think it, it'll they'll have jobs and they'll be supported but you know if we get people feel comfortable enough to, you know, start a, a business or move their business to some of these empty, you know, buildings. Now, granted, I don't know that much about real estate and all that stuff. And I'm sure there, there's more to it than that, especially when it comes to costs and funding. But I just see, you know, then I think about the mall and, you know, the things that we can put in there. Uh, and, and I think, you know, I think it'll bring jobs. I think that's one thing that we can do, you know, but I think that the, the biggest way to make any change is to make people who live in the area feel comfortable there. You know, I feel really comfortable telling people, you need to go to this restaurant, or maybe you should try this shop. Oh, hey, I haven't been here, but I've seen this. Or when somebody tells me to check something out, I go and check it out. And so I become, I mean, a cheerleader, ambassador, whatever you want to call it. And I think if more people did that, then yeah. But I mean, let's be real. University of Oregon's in a bubble. A lot of our students don't have cars, so they're not going to go to Springfield. Right. And if they want to party or drink, Springfield is not it because it's too far from campus. Right. Uh, and the bars are spread out. You know? Right. Uh, so, well, I mean, there's not much open now. <laughs> and now with Taylor's and stuff being gone. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think if you focus on public perception and you elevate the voices of those people who live there from various demographics and classes, then people will be like, oh, okay. You know, but then you have to give people a reason to want, you know, to come. I mean, you know, let's be honest. I mean, there's some parts of Springfield where if you are from that neighborhood or I mean, it's like this neighbor city that you're probably not going to be welcome. People are going to be wondering why. Uh, and, and, and so, how do we change that public perception? I think the first thing to do is to realize that there are problems, that there are problems with, you know, racism, sexism, you know, homophobia, transphobia, homelessness, you know, drugs. Uh, we have to realize and embrace it and realize that no matter what, how we identify, we're all affected by it. 
And then we have to be able to provide support for those people. And then by us coming together as a community, I think corporations and companies will see that. It's like, man, you know, I, I, I think I'll be supported by this, you know, and then people have a good experience and they tell another person. And one thing that you mentioned, especially with, I mean, people with Facebook and TikTok and Twitter and Instagram, all that stuff I don't use, you know, you say, hey, man, this experience is great. Look at this picture. You know, for example, I'm in the Eugene Foodies group. And granted, some of the stuff that people post, I'm just like, uh, okay, whatever. But they'll go to different restaurants. A lot of them are in Springfield. And they'll take a picture of their plate or they'll take a picture of an empty plate because they ate it before they could take a picture. And I think it's just simple stuff like that. You know, you don't need some food critic telling you to go here or you don't need some famous person saying, hey, go get your hair done there or, you know, try this thrift shop. It's a matter of the people who live there having a good experience and feeling comfortable enough to tell other people, hey, you need to try this. And, and I think, you know, I've come to a point when I, I feel fairly comfortable about, you know, different businesses that I know are only in Springfield. And I was like, you got to go here. And a lot of, and most of them are actually pretty much all of them are, are local businesses. And it's, it's great. Cause you know, I live in a lot of cities where all you had is a bunch of chain restaurants. Wow. Uh, and so, yeah, and I know I talk about food a lot, uh, but I mean, I, I think that there are other, you know, things. And for example, when I got here, they used to have like a nine rounds, like boxing thing. Uh, you know, like I said, international fitness had two gyms in Springfield. Now they don't you know, what can we utilize those places for? I mean, now, I mean, Pursue Fitness, which is my absolute favorite place in the state, uh, is open. I mean, they're not in my ward, but they're so close by. I love telling people, hey, you got to go there, man. Those people are nice. The manager's cool. You know, it's big. It's clean. You know, once again, positive experience and, and feeling comfortable talking about that is what I think is going to cause any expansion for any city, whether it's for business, whether it's just for population in general, whether it's a student organization, uh, an organization period, or clubs or councils, and 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 even with politics, you know, if if my experience is halfway decent, and I say, hey, guess what, I did this, I think you should too, or at least look into it. You know, there are a lot of board seats, there are a lot of you know ways to get involved. Yeah, it's going to be a little time consuming, but, you know, put up or shut up. Let's get this done and you'll be supported. Then that's how you get people to be more civically engaged, not by posting, you know, or, or telling only your friends about it. Sure. You know, you, you got to put the effort in to make people want to be a part of something. But then also sometimes you have to challenge those people. A lot of people talk, 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 talk. And, and they actually have the ability to do something, but they don't. And it's like, so what's the purpose of you continually talking if you're not going to do anything? Right. Well, I so, think yeah. inclusion, I think people feeling included is what's really important for civic participation instead of uh, feeling like they don't have representation, which is a good segue into a question mm -hmm. I had. I want to talk a little bit about why representation is so important. You know, in your words, why is representation so important on, a, on the council? Um, well, I mean, I think it's important because for too long people have altered the definition of inclusion you know they'll be like oh what well, this person's this or this person's that but they still see people who look and think just like them and so they're comfortable with that and like they don't want to be challenged and i'm you know and and so i i, I think representation is very important because one you're able to plant the seeds for the other generations you know if you're doing this for yourself, then you're in the wrong field. But if you're doing this to potentially allow other people to see that they have the opportunity to do so, then, I mean, that, that's what's most important to me. Now, a lot of people are like, well, why does it matter? It shouldn't matter as long as they do the job, but they've also been represented their whole lives. Yes. And so it's easy for them to say that, but if they weren't represented, then they would probably have a fit. And so, but, but they don't understand that. And so they can't grasp why people would like to see somebody who looks or thinks or acts like them in a position like this. You told me off air mm -hmm. about, uh, you know, you're, this is a nonpartisan seat. 
you know, this right. is not a, a, a party affiliation. And, and you mm-hmm. would, is it true to say that you would say that you're not a Democrat or a Republican? Very true. Uh, I mean, I, you know, kind of what I mentioned before, I, I think all my life, I, 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 before I could even vote, you know, I thought I was a Democrat because I remember in 1988 seeing uh, Jesse Jackson running for president and I knew who he was. And I was like, oh, I kind of like Michael Dukakis, have no idea why I was eight. You know, love Bill Clinton, he was from the South, you know, and then as it kind of went on, uh, I think in a lot of ways I align with, you know, democratic efforts, uh, at least what I thought were their efforts. But I was also in the military for 10 years, and, you know, military is often heavily Republican. And I'm from the South. I mean, granted, Memphis is a blue dot because uh, it has, you know, 60-some percent Black people. Uh, but, you know, I mean, and I think now I just, I, I believe what I want, you know, and, and, and I, the, the two party system is so problematic. You know, I remember in 92 when Ross Perot was running and it can easily say that he calls either, you know, George HW, uh, the presidency because some people who probably would have voted for him actually voted for Ross Perot. And granted, I think he only maybe got 13% of the vote. That's a lot. But in these, yeah, it is. And and in these, you know, current elections, uh, if if there was a third party candidate, then the the the, the two parties would really have to fight and really have to put up or shut up with these votes. And 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 so I, I guess the way I see it, I I I, w- I guess you can consider myself progressive. I believe in human rights. You know, uh, I'm big on, you know, diversity. I'm big on inclusion. Uh, but the truth of the matter is that can be really off-putting in a lot of ways, especially here in Oregon. I mean, people love to talk about that stuff, but the people who are the loudest about diversity and inclusion are the ones who do not even associate with anybody. You know, it's like there's a difference between speaking for and speaking of a person, I mean, I'm straight. And so I don't need to be speaking for the LGBT community, but I can mention them and I can also potentially provide a space. But, you know, so many people, especially in Oregon, be like, oh, well, I have a black friend, I have a gay friend. So what? Sometimes those are the worst people. And I think a lot of those folks, especially here in Oregon, and it's unfortunate, they align with the Democratic Party. And it's kind of all put in me. I don't know tons about the Republican Party here. Uh, but if there are these proud boys and, you know, these other folks, that's a huge problem. Uh, and so the reason I bring this up is, is so I think both parties based on what you see can be very polarizing to where you don't really want to be completely associated with one or the other. And then with just my background, even my education, you know, it's allowed me, I would like to say that I, I think for myself, you know, and I would like to think that it's influenced by my life experiences and my relationships and, and somewhat my book education. And so I think based on that, you know, it, it's kind of hard to align with party. And, you know, we talked about inclusion and representation. I went on the, you know, you, you go on these party websites, I think on the Democratic Party, all I saw was James Manning who looks like me. Sure. Uh, the Republican Party, I guarantee you nobody looks like me. And so you, you talk about it, but w- where is representation in your parties? Uh, and, and so, yeah, I mean, who knows? I might end up, you know, aligning with the party sooner or later. But for right now, like I personally, I feel that it shouldn't matter what party I belong to if I am supporting the people. Absolutely. And, uh, but, but, you know, let's be real. That's easier said than done because you're going to need support somewhere. And so I, I, I hope this doesn't come off like I'm shunning any political party. Uh, because I mean, honestly, if I had to choose based on, you know, social awareness and, and, and social responsibility that you see more on the left, I would more align that way. But you know, like I said, I'm from the South and, and, and I'm ex-military. And so there, there's a lot of what people would consider to be conservative 
But I mean, I think liberal and conservative are thrown around and left and right are thrown around so much. Nobody really even knows what that means. Right. Well, in a position of city council, too, you're going to represent people that you, you know, across the board and full. And, and, and so it's important to find ways to allow people that maybe even you disagree with on strategy to be heard, you know, right. Right. You know, I agree. Now with yeah. representation, you had mentioned this a couple of times. And I've talked about this on the podcast before, especially with my good friend, Thomas Hida. Uh, he's Asian and, and Asian American and, and having his, he talks about seeing people even in movies that look, you, you've used the phrase a couple of times that look like me, you know, and, and what does that, what does that feel like when you talked about Jesse Jackson, a candidate, mm-hmm. because obviously um, it's no secret that Springfield, Oregon is not extremely diverse uh, population numbers wise, you know, right. you know, so what it, it, it means a lot to see someone that looks like you in a position of power. Is that correct? I, I think so. But 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 but, he, but but let's be honest. I mean, here's the thing. Sometimes you put people who check one box, you know, we talked about this, who check one box, but then they don't do anything. And so it's all performative. Yes. You know, uh, and yeah, I mean, it's cool. I'm black. I'm a veteran. I hope people can align with that. But, you know. I'm not perfect and you know you know blackness is not a monolith neither is being a veteran so yeah I mean sometimes I think that that sight of oh this person looks like me I can identify I remember there was something when President Obama was running or maybe after he was elected and somebody it was a story about a little boy had touched his hair (laughs) and how he was just blown away because somebody who had hair like him was in this was a great position of power and you know who knows that kid could end up becoming something or, or maybe that kid might be motivated and motivated and it's the little things but like i said before it's real easy to say that it shouldn't matter when you've been represented the whole time now when it comes to movies and stuff like that yeah that's great uh but realize that movies that have larger casts of minorities in them aren't the ones that people are rushing to see. You know, people like say, well, it shouldn't be a black movie. There shouldn't be a BET. Well, it's like, when was the last time you seen one of the TV shows on BET or, you know, or one of the movies on BET being shown on CBS or ABC? You haven't. So that's why these things exist. And so let's not act like people who claim that it doesn't matter, they're rushing out to see a movie with an all black or an all Asian cast or a movie that focuses on LGBT issues. They're not doing it. Sure. I'm a podcast host of a show that's pretty small. And so that being said, Mm -hmm. I'm a firm believer that not everything has to be for everyone either. Right. What I mean by that is, is that those, those BET or the things that you mentioned, it's like, even if I may not watch it a ton, I'm mm-hmm. glad it exists because there's people that get a lot of benefit from it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Same with rap music. That mm-hmm. like with rap music, like that's not my story. <laughs> it, still, it still taught me a lot. You know what I mean? By listening and, and learning from it. And, right. uh, and, you know, your experience in Tennessee and my experience in Springfield, Oregon, growing up as a kid is going to be extremely different, but there's things yeah. we can learn from each other. You know, you had, much said, so. you had said something about a monolithic uh, viewpoint. I want to admit kind of, an ignorant thing that I had thought back in the day that I learned from, we have a mutual friend on Facebook. I don't know how, how well you're, or how good a friendship or whatnot a relationship you have with him. And I hope he's okay with me dropping his name, but Jason Floyd. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, Jason. Jason, Floyd, Jason Floyd was one of my, when I was a, a freshman in high school, and I hope he listens to this. When I was a freshman in high school, there was a group of kids that were skateboarders that would be on the edge of, uh, right outside of Springfield High School, skateboarding, kind of kicking, kick flipping off curbs and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I remember one time, and he may not remember this, but I remember one time I asked him, and I took it took me a little bit to ask this. There's there's you know racial tensions because of the facts that I, there's just not a lot of black people you know in right. Springfield, and I asked him, what do black people think about this? And Jason looked me in the eyes, angry, and was like, why don't you ask him? Everybody thinks different shit. You know, you know, and I, it, it was a huge moment for me because, right. because I realized I'm like, oh my God, I've been so wrong the way that I've looked at this. Right. Because I looked at it, like you just said, a monolithic viewpoint, like everybody, like everybody gets together and they're like the black council, here's what we're going to, st- we're going to stand on this. 
people are people with different views, just like anything yeah. else. And that was a really profound st- thing for me. And I was really grateful that he, he had said that because mm-hmm. it really, it really changed the way I looked at things. I, I kind of separated it's an elephant in the room. Of course, we're going to talk about some of the things, especially in a town like you like Springfield, like I keep mentioning that has a, a limited amount of, of uh, diversity, you know? So I just thought that was a really a bold thing that I really learned from moving forward. And I was pretty young when he told me that right. Jason is an awesome person. Shout out to Jason Floyd. What's up, homie? So, uh, yeah. So one of the things that Sean Van Gordon, and then we'll get off the topic of race, but I do want to talk about this. One of the things that Sean Van Gordon had said in his mayor, Sean Van Gordon had said in his uh, state of the city was that one of his main goals in his term as mayor is he wants to fight white supremacy. Mm-hmm. You know, and you had mentioned the Proud Boys, and how do we do that as a community? How do we, how do we, you know, uh-huh. this is a difficult topic, you know, because how how on city council, what kind of things can be done to to help fight that? I mean, I think one thing is to admit that it exists and be somewhat confrontational. Be like, look, you say you love this country, you say you want to do this, you know. I guarantee you have these people who uh you know are driving around with the american flags are saying white lives matter if you would ask them where they're from you know they'll give you a list of european countries and it's like you're proud of that and so why can't other people be proud of you know where they come from you know and one thing that people fail to realize is that with a lot of non-white and even some you know white presenting cultures that stuff's not taught in school, you know? Uh, and so, you know, it's real easy to, to talk about, you know, we're all the same. Like I said before, w- when you've been educated that everything that your ancestors did was completely right. Uh, and, and so, I mean, you, you know, to go back to your question, it, it's, it's, I think it's more than just confronting people who are racist. That that's a huge part of it, but I mean, I think that white supremacy exists, you know, in groups that are supposed to be progressive as well. You know, a lot of people love to talk about how institutions of higher education are super liberal, and I'm like, really? I don't think so. You know, uh, and, and and I think one, I, I think it's a matter of sitting down and defining what that means, because often the definition is people who are blatantly and openly racist or, you know, white men have having all the power, but I think it, it goes way deeper than that. And so that's a really hard question to answer. I mean, I'm glad that the mayor mentioned that, but, you know, I'm curious to see what role that I will play and, and the other counselors and then just the citizens of Springfield period will play in admitting that this is actually a problem. And that when people are saying this, they're not just saying this because they're in their feelings. They're saying this because it's true. And don't be so quick to try to deny it because you don't feel that way. You know, one thing I've seen is that poor white people will quickly say that, oh no, because they'll bring up class, uh, you know, and, and to try to negate the fact that white supremacy exists. Uh, but, you know, the funny thing is that sometimes people who might be white uh, or any other race are affected by white supremacy, just like I am, you know, like I, I think about, I don't know if you've seen the movie uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. Not yet, uh, me too. Yeah. Absolutely amazing movie. And, and I won't go too deep into it, but Brother Fred Hampton was able to unite uh, a Latinx group as well as a poor white group, you know, waving Confederate flags because they realize that, hey, we're all in this together and this system is not designed for us, period. And so what good are we gonna be fighting against each other when we can unite and have a, a united front? Granted, he, he was assassinated, so that's not necessarily uh, a great hint to a story. But when I think about Springfield specifically, I ask myself, why is it that people are so quick to assume that somebody's lying about being oppressed, all right? Have they been able to sit down and just talk with folks? I mean, are they able to remove themselves 
themselves from the situation and not say I and, and start thinking we. Because what people don't realize, regardless of whether you're white or not, white supremacy is going to take us all out. Yeah. You know, it's going to reduce our opportunities. It's going to keep us from diversifying and not even just from racially diversifying from, you know, socioeconomics, from, you know, having opportunities for businesses to come into Springfield and create jobs. And so this, these attitudes are hurting all of us. And it's time to stop, y'all, you know? Uh, so yeah, I'm kind of rambling now, but- uh, No, 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 I appreciate yeah. it. That's, that's what a podcast is for. Uh, you know, I don't know how to word this because I always, I, I never want to put the onus on the oppressed to be the better people. That's, that's just not fair, right? Uh, like meaning we all have to change, like you had said. Have you ever heard, seen the documentary though? It's called Accidental Courtesy with a, with a, uh, it's a guy, a black man that befriended a bunch of white supremacists because he was saying he wanted to use the effort of love. I'm not saying this is the only strategy, mm-hmm. no, but he wanted to use love and say, because what he knew was that in the leadership of the KKK, those people that were at the top, they didn't, they weren't using love. They were using hate. Mm-hmm. And this guy wanted to use love to basically say it like a guy went to prison for some of the stuff that he did it's a really great documentary and the and the family he was he was upstate wherever they were at and so this this black man would drive this white woman to see her husband who was a kkk member in prison every once a month he'd take her and the guy's like why do you do this and he's like because i love you you know And, and the guy just couldn't understand it you know and it was so touching to see i thought that was an interesting thing now I guess where this ties into what I'm talking about is, is that you can't send someone to jail for being racist, just for being hateful. You know what I'm saying? Like in, in, in fighting white supremacy. And one thing I've been thinking a lot about is like, how do we persuade people or how do we get people to understand? Like you just said, there's so many benefits to culture. There's so many benefits to so many different ways of thinking. I don't, I don't know where the question is in this, but it's just something that for one, anyone listening, check out the documentary accidental courtesy. That man was an inspiration. Now, I don't think that that strategy, I don't want to put that on the oppressed again. It's like, oh, you should be loving because it it hurts when you're not, when you don't feel like you're part of the equation or you're not somebody that's easily accepted in the, I don't know, in the leadership role. Right. Um, So to be honest, I mean, that's cool. I tell you what, I'm not driving a white supremacist wife anywhere. I'm not even talking to her. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and I think that might work for some people. Absolutely. Sometimes, and, and, and I'm not trying to incite violence or even suggest it, but sometimes you have to fight fire with fire. You know, uh, I think a lot of people here have never been in a situation where they've had to truly protect themselves from I mean, other maybe robberies or things like that, but from, you know, any type of supremacy, you know, uh, and, 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 and people are, are tired. And what happens when people get tired and angry, they explode. And sometimes people need that explosion. Don't, the unfortunate part about it is when marginalized groups explode, they become targeted even more. And so, and if they're defending themselves or trying to do better, a lot of times they're still targeted. And honestly, the same thing goes for like really poor people, which is so weird that so many poor people align with, you know, very toxic and supremacist views. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I, I want to be very clear that I am not saying that you have to go out and arm yourself and stuff like that or anything like that. But, but the truth matters, it's a war zone out there and it, it, it's scary, you know? Uh, my dad, and this is probably one of the most profound things he ever said to me, you know, and in my 40 years of life, he said, you know, it's, it really bothers me that my sons have to go through the same thing that I went through in the sixties. However, you all have it worse because back in the day we saw the Confederate flags and we saw the white sheets. Now they wear suits and ties and they're your bosses and they're your co-workers. And it's like, man, that's crazy. You know, uh, like it, it. Yeah, I mean, like every time I say that, you know, I get speechless and just, you know, kind of taken back. And 
look, I mean, my boss is great. I, I don't, yeah, she's cool. I mean, so I'm not really saying that in any shape. Or no, no, no. I got you. Uh, but you know, it, it, it's it, if you're too loud about an issue, people are going to take you down. If you're too quiet about it because you want to survive, people are going to say, "Oh, you're you know, oh, there's no issue." Right. And it just seems like a losing situation. Uh, and, and so it's hard, you know. I think, especially my conversations with you know black people specifically here in 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 Eugene Springfield. Sometimes you just you don't want to be that that voice of blackness. Sometimes you just want to go to work, do your job, take care of your family, and chill. But oftentimes you're 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 thrusting in that to protect other people and to support other people. And it's you know you can't. It's hard to just be here. But then the truth of the matter is, if some people have figured out how to just be, then other people say, oh, you don't care. Or they see this person who seems to be complacent. They're like, oh, see, this black person, you know, they're cool. And, you know, it's like, and going back to what you're saying, one person does not tell the narrative of a whole. Absolutely. Uh, which is why, you know, I don't think that every white person I meet is a white supremacist. I mean, that's ridiculous. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, nor do I think that every black person is going to have my back. Uh, right. Yeah. And so, it, yeah, yeah, exactly. No, yeah. I just, I just wanted to touch on that because I mean, it's, it's, it's something that it'll be interesting to see what that looks like moving forward. I know that we have, I don't, I don't know if it's been released, but the internal investigation, the independent investigation on, on what happened at the black lives matter protest this summer where and my word, these are my words that the uh -huh. watched it, the live stream and the police were imbalanced in the way that they were that they were reacting to it. So we'll see what the independent investigation leads to. Uh, Mayor Van Gordon and I had discussed that briefly, but it was a very troubling thing to see because my take on it was watching this. And I'm not a big fan of people protesting in neighborhoods. And I've been pretty vocal about that. Now, that being said, when that whole situation with the noose or whatnot this whole situation went down blew up got it escalated but then my takeaway after watching this live stream was like what we just saw proved why they needed to be there what we, you know why they needed to be doing this those are my opinions but anyway you know one of the things with representation that's super important civic participation which i mentioned before i think like you had said as a young boy watching jesse jackson i think there's going to be a lot of people in our community that are going to look to you that are going to be like wait a minute if he can get into this position, I can get into that position down the road. And that's the goal that I think that we see from this. I don't want to make it, you said, you don't want to be tokenized. And I don't want it to sound like that. I think that it's just really important, though, that we have these conversations about different perspectives, you know, different kind of beliefs. And a lot of your experience isn't just from the takeaway from talking to you today. You're from a different state. You came from different, multiple different places, you know. And I think that when we all in this big ass country, we start to learn from each other. If I were to move to Tennessee and start talking about my upbringing in, in Oregon, I'd have a lot of different insight on what, you know, what, what they, I would be able to take something from here, there, you know what I'm saying? So we all have our shared collective stories that are very different. Yeah. What, if you ever move to Tennessee, do not take kale. I'm just saying, don't take it. <laughs> no, you can keep your IPAs. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. Now you had mentioned you're a coffee drinker. Uh, are you Dutch, bro, Dutch Bros or Starbucks? Either I drink 7-Eleven coffee if I there buy it. There we go. I, I drink, I mean, honestly, so when COVID hit, I was working from home. I bought a little $10 coffee pot. And, you know, I just buy coffee that, you know, was on sale. I mean, sometimes, you know, I will buy the Starbucks uh ground coffee because I like some of their flavors, but sometimes I'll just go to Winco and just find whatever, you know, I know that there, there's some local companies that sell coffee, but, but I'm going to be honest, like it's really hard for me to pay more than seven bucks for a bag of coffee. Sure. Like it's not that serious. <laughs> I like I, donuts because, you know, yeah. I don't know why I just like it. Yeah. Uh, so Damien Pitts, it's really cool to get to talk to you. I appreciate, uh, you know, getting to know you a little better. And I look forward to getting to know you more down the road. I'm, I'm excited to see uh, what happens in the future of Springfield. I love this town very much. It's my hometown. 
And I think that the leadership mix up that we've had over the last year and a half in, in Springfield leadership has been pretty cool to watch the process go. Hmm. Anybody listening, uh, mayor Van Gordon has made it very clear the way to get involved every Monday city council meets every other Monday, they go virtual and they, you know, represent the, the city council meetings. It looks a lot different now than it did two years ago. And I think this is really exciting to see where we're heading as a, as a community. And so, yeah. Uh, you know, I think we're going to do some great things in this community. I think that there's a lot of progress happening. I hope so, you know, uh, and, and, you know, I hope that we realize that certain issues will affect everything, kind of like what I was saying, you know, racism can affect economic development, it can affect homelessness, it can affect a lot of things. So I guarantee you, everyone in Springfield cares about something. And if they, and, and, and every issue can be tied to something. And so we need to be able to think about that. We need to realize that sometimes it's not about our individual needs and wants. And, you know, part of being a citizen is sometimes thinking about that other person. But I mean, but but I will admit it, it's 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 really hard sometimes to really care when you're going through so much yourself. And 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 then there's a such thing as, you know, burnout or, you know, battle fatigue, especially racial battle fatigue, where you have to take a step back and just breathe in order to stay sane, to stay healthy, to be able to continue to support those that you already do. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I would say for everybody listening, you know, keep your head up, you know, find that outlet to, to breathe, whether it's Real Housewives or Shit's Creek or one of these random Lifetime movies that I always get stuck on and, oh. I didn't I didn't add it in the bio of this, but you sent me a bio and I I, I cut it a little bit for space, but you had, you had talked about the food network. That's your happy place. It is. Uh I I love to cook. I I I love to feed people, you know. Uh and I learn a lot. The one shows that I can't really watch the, the kids cooking shows, those kids are a little uppity, and it's like, man, you need to sit down somewhere, like calm down, like. Ain't nothing wrong with some spaghettios and a hot dog. Uh, Hilarious. But yeah, and so definitely the Food Network is my go-to. You know, sometimes I'll just listen to music. Uh, uh, you know, and I also, I might have mentioned that, you know, I, I watch telenovelas. I don't speak Spanish, but one thing I like about watching any TV shows or movies in a language that I don't understand or an area that I'm not familiar with is that even though it's, it's fiction, I'm able to learn something. You know, I learned quite a bit about various Latin American countries just by watching these novellas. Uh, you know, I have watching, you know, different movies, even like movies that were set in like, you know, England or, you know, East Europe or somewhere in, in one of the, you know, many African countries and what it does, it, it kind of makes me start thinking. It makes me want to start doing, you know, just basic, you know, research on and, and or it, it'll solidify something that I thought I knew way back. And, and so that's why I watch a lot of those shows. I mean, uh, I don't have time to be watching the news all the time or, you know, watching political stuff because it's really depressing. Yeah. And so I, I need to get away. And I think looking at food, looking at random TV shows. Uh, and, you know, a couple of random other guilty pleasures <laughs> talk about uh, as far as TV shows, uh, then, you know, it, it allows me to, to breathe. You know, a lot, there are a lot of documentaries I have not seen. I've never seen 13th. I've never watched When They See Us, and I probably won't. It's just too much for me right now. Sure. Uh, but, you know, I will watch old episodes of A Different World or you know, good times, or I don't watch Friends and have never seen it, uh, you know, just, but just random TV shows just to kind of get away. Uh, and, and I think that that keeps me, keeps me sane. Uh, and, and, and it keeps me, puts me in a position to be able to support those that are, I could, I will support or that I do support. Uh, so yeah, um, I'm rambling, but no, you're good. You're good. Well, Damian Pitts, thank you very much. You know, uh, I'm going to end this today. 
uh, with a song, and this is this is t- difficult. You know, anybody uh, that knows me well knows that this last week was very difficult for me. I lost my brother, and uh, I want to say thank you for all of the people that reached out, saying kind words and showing support, and saying that you know I have you know reminding me that that I've got their number and that just so many kind things that people said. Uh, my brother leaves behind his his daughter, my niece, Alexis, and we're going to do everything we can to look after her. It's been challenging. He's kind of sudden. He's only 43, you know, and so I just want to say thank you to everybody for for reaching out. So I usually choose a song by a local artist, but this week I, I chose one I wrote a while back when when my mom, my brother and I were all on some completely different pages. You know, we were all over the place and I chose the song. It's called Turmoil Despair. And I chose it because I was thinking about one day I was going to be any one of us. The song is actually written from, so any one of us could come and listen to that song from a different perspective. And we could all be that one different perspective at different times in our, in our journey. And so I I thought it was fitting, but I just wanted to say thank you to everybody for, for, for reaching out. And so, uh, you know, Damien Pitts, interim city councilor, Damien Pitts, you'll be sworn in on Monday. I'm sure that's going to be an exciting day for you. Congratulations on the appointment and getting to talk to you. I'm really, I think you're going to do a great job. I think you got, mm-hmm. you got a bright future in local politics and, and you're one of us now in Oregon. And, and I hope that you feel loved and I hope you feel welcomed. And thank you for doing my podcast. I'm so honored how this podcast has grown in the three years that I've done it. I don't know how the hell I did this five years ago. I was a drunk miserable person <laughs> and now i'm sober and i'm even going through with what i'm going through losing my brother I'm, I'm the happiest i've ever been overall and it's something that's it's hard for me to admit that because sometimes i'm i'm i come from a place where depression such a huge part of my family life that it's it makes me feel guilty to admit that i'm happy during a time of sorrow but i think that i'm learning to never feel sorry for being happy you know what i mean like you should always embrace it so i've learned a lot in these last 48 hours I was, I appreciate you doing this because you had said to me, are you sure you want to do this behind the scenes? Like with this, I'm like, no, no, no. What's important to me right now is to continue the path of what I'm up to, you know, continue elevating voices in my community, in our community. And so it's an honor to have you on. So uh, thanks again. No, thank you so much. Yeah, man. So, okay. So we're going to get out of here. So this is me uh, back from my days as self-esteem, but Willie, this is me with a song, Turmoil, Despair.
struggle for stability seems to be crushing me Every waking moment I wish I was a casualty Signs point to a tragic end, my life feels empty Think I'll lay in bed and reflect on everything I struggle for stability seems to be crushing me Every waking moment I wish I was a casualty Signs point to a tragic end, my life feels empty Think I'll lay in bed and